Hello, and welcome back to the League of Josh podcast. My name is Joshua, and I am your host. Joined by guest star, Bubba's, but you can only see him on YouTube because he's a dog, not a human. The human that I have on this podcast is Lara Evers. Lara is a dance major from the Netherlands. We met a few years ago while I was traveling through Southeast Asia and connected quite rapidly, which was very cool. Um, her, my, her and I have stayed in touch for these past few years, and she reached out a few weeks ago, and we recorded this episode because I wanted to explore the emotional and physical relationship between dance and interpersonal relationships. So your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others. She gave a bunch of super cool insights. I was very happy with how it turned out. She is a total whiz kid, and we got to explore some concepts that were maybe towards the edge of my conscious thinking. So I was very thankful for that. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode for some groundkeeping stuff, as I stated in the previous podcast. If you guys have any concepts that you would like to hear about or guests that you would maybe like me to reach out to and have on, then please leave a comment or message me directly and I'll see if I can address those things. Uh, one of the best ways to support the podcast at this point would be to recommend it to friends. So you could recommend it to a friend as a falling asleep podcast, or you could recommend it to someone that you're not as acquainted with as a, maybe a driving podcast. That's a joke. But yeah, good luck. I think you're. I think you're gonna do great. Okay, we're. I, I hit the record button. We're on. Okay, we're yeah. live. Are yeah, we're ready? doing exactly. We're doing it live. <laughs> so I, I wanted to have you on to talk about dance and physical expression. I'm very interested by physical expression in general, and I think that dance is one of the most interesting forms of that in that you don't really need a team or for me I play volleyball so the only ways that I express myself physically outside of embarrassing myself with dancing is working <laughs> out or getting into a team sport or something so I think dance is a really cool instrument for expressing yourself yeah I think it is too it's um you can choose if you feel like it to do it by, by yourself or with a group and also like I see dance as like a different language so maybe it sounds a little bit vague but uh, it's a language that everybody can speak but you can also choose to speak your own language so your natural way of moving and I think that's really nice about dancing as well as like sometimes you you don't feel like talking but while you're dancing together you can connect with someone on a different level and i think that's very important to um connect with others as well as like verbally but also physically because it just adds another layer to to connecting to yourself and with others where do you think that comes from hmm. i don't know i think sometimes um for example like we don't speak the same language Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that it shouldn't st stop us of connecting with other people. I think um, it's nice for people to see other people's body language and then you can like decide for yourself if you feel comfortable around them or not. And I think that's a nice way for some people to express themselves or to see like, hey, um, 
can we vibe or can we not vibe basically mm-hmm. and as well um i think dancing can help you to express emotions that are hard to um sometimes verbalize so if you feel a certain way like a uh, sad emotion you can like express that as well through dance and then maybe someone will not know why you are dancing or why you're dancing that certain way but it doesn't mean that uh, they can understand you because you can um, show yourself in a different vulnerability that you wouldn't be able to do physically uh, verbally I mean (laughs) do you think that you use that as a some kind of a mechanism to cope with emotions then yeah yeah I would say I I do that and sometimes it's not even consciously but for example i do a dance education so i dance five or six days a week and obviously not all of those days are going to be good days so then it's nice to just tune into your body and be in the now because um like what i notice around me that a lot of people are not living in the now because obviously you have a lot of technology and you're like well, you don't want to think about the now because it's not great at the moment. So you have to make like your own um, party. That's a Dutch saying. You have to put on your own uh, decorations to make it a great party. (laughs) Um, So yeah, dancing can help you just to experience how your body feels and how you can take it to your advantage. So how you can feel the pain or the sadness or the happiness in your body and translate it throughout your body i would say a lot of dancers uh like that about dance that they Mm -hmm. can express it that way how did you get into dance what's your what was your experience and what how do you how do you end up being a dance major um well i was six years old Mm -hmm. and i always loved going to uh holidays and doing like a mini disco and stuff (laughs) they have like this uh like animators and they do like the dances and i would just be standing there like being cute (laughs) and doing the dances and then um in my little town where i'm from here in wien they started a new dance school and i just started there and i loved it so I've, dan- I've been dancing all along and at one point I was like, well, I want to do something with dance, but my family wasn't like super creative. So it was more of like, a, you're, you're good at math, so do economics, you're, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then because I got through a depression when I was like 15 for like about two years, um, I didn't even know what my passion was anymore and what I wanted to do. And after I came out of that, I realized like, hey, I'm on this earth right now. Like we're not going through a war. I don't have to rebuild something. Everything is already here. So I might as well do what I like to do. And that is dance. (laughs) And then I just trained my ass off. And just before actually I met you, I was training and doing auditions and finally like choosing for myself and it felt really good and really scary but um, eventually I got in and now I'm very happy I made that choice and yeah I just want to keep on dancing and it really makes me happy and I feel like I can also help others like dancing and enjoying another experience. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
how do you deal with that fear of taking that leap into auditions? Oof. Um, well, there, um, I must say, I'm still figuring that out. Sometimes, for example, I'm, I'm in a transition year right now. So I, I have next summer, I don't know what my future will hold. Um, so there are a few coping mechanisms. Um, I am an emotional eater. So that's not like the greatest coping mechanism. But sometimes it can help to just be in the moment and just accept like hey i didn't get through this audition i just have to be like mellow for like a few days and then get myself back up other times i just put on loud music and like do like a crazy workout just to get it out of my system just to like exhaust yourself and get all the energy um, out of your body so you can like calm down Mm-hmm. or um, sometimes it can help you just put on a song that fits your mood and start improvisation. Improvisation is something that everybody can do. It's You don't have to have experience in it. Um, it's literally feeling the music and just going with it without thinking. And even if you think for a second, you you can go back to the flow. That's okay, as long as you're aware of it. And yeah, I, I think that could help a lot of people, to be honest. Yeah, I try me. to, I, I do improvised dancing when I am alone in my garage working out. If I listen to music, I, I tend to listen to podcasts a little bit more lately, but every now and then I'll give myself an off day and listen to some music and it feels a lot more special when it's less frequent, but that also, I, I find it a lot of fun to dance around while exercising. I wish that were more socially acceptable in the gym. I guess it could be. That's just my <laughs> my own taboos and Yeah, I think yeah, anyway. as yeah, I think if you own it just like have like you don't give any well, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in this you podcast, are. but yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you can give zero fucks and just do it, I think people will actually join you. Um, but obviously like, um, that's easier said than done. I don't know if your gyms are open. My gyms are, they're not even open here yet. And I feel like it's kind of sad because what you say about the taboos, I think that's also with like doing exercise outside. Like you don't see a lot of groups doing things. And I think that would be like the greatest idea to just go out there and, meet with some friends and actually do some exercise even if it's Mm -hmm. a dance party or just being together and reconnecting with yourself and that's okay to do outside it's just i think it will actually bring people more together than if we keep it as a taboo which is a long way to go but Mm -hmm. start it you know yeah well that was always something that i realized getting older in school is when I'd go to the the bars with my friends, it would always be the younger guys. Just like when I was a younger guy, I was a little bit more hesitant to get on the dance floor. And then as I got older, the younger guys would always ask, why, how do you, how do you dance? How are you able to, to get out there? It was just, just go out there. If it's a good song, just relax, kind of throw your body around and then people just come and join. And some of the best experiences that I had were with in my I'd say third year when 
I had all my best friends there and we would just get into a dance circle at the club and we just we just didn't really care. We kind of closed ourselves off from the outside world and it was just us. Those are like the best experiences. I think um, a lot of dance events are part of people's best experience because you're really connecting. It's You can feel a certain energy if everybody is in that vibe and in that song and you build up to like the moment of the song and you're just together. That's like a really uh, high level of happiness that I think a lot of people miss in these times. And um, I think it's great that as long as we keep reminding ourselves of how nice that feeling was that hopefully we can cre recreate this feelings ourselves by improvising or just connecting with others like if you see someone dancing at a train station join them you know like fuck it just go there and you know sometimes I stand at the train station I have my headphones in and I'm doing like house dance steps and then I'm like oh I, just, I look like such a fool but I'm like no whatever you know I'm just doing it I'm just practicing my dance moves and I heard from some friends that even sometimes if they train uh, dance on train stations apparently a lot of people do it they love random people join them and that's really fun and as well like if I went out or go out then I'm always the one that encourages people to come on the dance floor because I think a lot of people have a fear of like oh I can't dance like I'm too afraid or something like that I need alcohol but then I'm like it's so sad because everybody can dance even if you if you can dance outside of the rhythm that is a talent like i i'm not able to do that <laughs> but you know that's still cool like just join it's okay like i feel like with dance there's not really a lot of like shame or something like i i think it's more in ourselves that we might well in my point of view think that oh what would people think if i dance but i feel like always when someone is hitting the dance floor that never comes to the dance floor then everybody's embracing it so yeah i think uh you can encourage yourself and others to always try and keep on doing the fun things because like we have to make it fun you know those are the fun experience that would be nice yeah and it's very contagious it really is i remember yeah. a, a certain night of the Delat penthouse party where you were dancing your head off and then I came and joined only because you were dancing your head off for the most part but yeah I can't really sit still that's a thing if I hear music then you know I just gotta dance it's 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 just something and I think if I feel like a lot of people have that just like you say when you're working in your garage I would encourage more people to do that just put music on and if like even if I'm cycling through town I have music on I'm like I'm dancing on the bike which is kind of dangerous but <laughs> you know <laughs> it makes me happy so mm -hmm. yeah why not and it is like I've, I've been trying to I've been thinking a lot more about so I'll, I'll tell you a small story um Jane Goodall this is something my friend told me so this isn't first-hand knowledge but I think I'll hopefully get it right when Jane Goodall was looking at chimpanzees and and old world apes, she said that in 10 years, we'll find something really interesting about them. And then 30 years later, they found a group that was cresting on a waterfall. So they were about to find this waterfall in exploration. 
and once they found it, they started to, they all grabbed each other and they started to dance around in a circle. And in that way, I think it was some religious experience. So I think there's a, a connection between religion and dance and art and music and all of these things come together in us. And it's not something that's developed over the past 3 million years, but I think it's far deeper than that. And so I, I believe that dance is a part of that in some sense. It's a way to connect ourselves to each other and ourselves in, in an experience that's outside of ourselves in some way. And it can be a meditation as well. I'm sure for you, you lose yourself in dance. <laughs> well, sometimes I try to meditate. I'm not very good at it, I have to be honest. But um, I do, I tend to, if I use my breathing through dance, like like if I'm consciously thinking about it, it does help me to get more into your, in my body and also connecting with a group, which is really nice. And what you said about this connection and that it goes way back, I, I agree on that. I don't think, I see religion as more of like in the more broad, uh, like Yes, uh, I'm, range I'm of far more meaning. spiritual than I am religious. I'm not yeah, dogmatic. Same. Yeah. yeah i'm not i'm i'm not like i'm not i don't believe in god mm -hmm. um or anything but i do believe that people can connect together and that can also be what you believe in can be a sort of a religion or you can be spiritual and be with yourself i think that's totally um okay and really nice to have as well as like as you can see like way back a lot of religions also have like their own dances and their own traditions. A lot of those traditions are actually dance and maybe even before they were able to create a verbal language, body language is already a language. And uh, people sometimes tend to forget how important body language is. And I think uh, with dance, it's just a more fun way to even explore that more. And I think a lot of dancers, um, use body language and are able to recognize body language quicker because they're so um, focused on getting to know their own body even more i think do you think that you're more expressive in body language through communication with other people outside of dance yeah i think i am um i'm also well i'm personally i'm a sensitive person so like i i can um can easily feel certain people's vibes, how they are feeling. Uh, but I also think that it, that comes hand in hand with dance because you are more aware. You have to, if you want to pursue dance, if you're interested in that, you, um, you're aware of the space around you. Um, so like literally the room, but also your space in the room. So where do I stand in the room? Where do the others stand in the room? What is the group atmosphere? You have to anticipate um, what your next move is going to be because you are involved in this group and you want to be part of that. So there is a lot of things you unconsciously think about, but it all has to do with being aware. So I guess when I go home, I'm still aware of my surroundings and aware of where I am in the space. And obviously, everybody zooms and zooms, zooms out. Well, um, and that's totally okay. But I think that is nice about dance that you are more aware of your um, surroundings, and that helps. That helps me to 
like cope in this world so i can sometimes it's hard because like you're so aware that you're like oh, i don't even want to know about it anymore but then you can choose to tune back into yourself and just be aware of what is my body and um yeah there are so many ways you can be outside of your body inside of your body inside your mind and outside of your mind those are like four ways that you can express your dancing um, i'm actually doing a collaboration with uh, a maker and a choreographer her name is fernanda silva and she's a portuguese woman and she does a lot of um she does a style that's called groovement and groovement is about tuning into your body for people that are not very uh, aware of any dance styles. You can also search Gaga dance. That's really, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it. Might mm. be nice for you. Especially a lot of spiritual people really enjoy it. Um, yeah, Gaga dance is also all about tuning into your body and feeling different textures, sensing, the body it's very intense but it's really nice if you're in the right flow and for people all around the world they can i think you can still follow free zoom classes and then you can just do it in your garage in your living room in your bedroom everywhere it's really nice um you have to be in a mood for it because it's it's very it's really intense but it's for even for beginners it's nice to follow um I don't know where I was getting with this story, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, you can choose what kind of dancer you want to be on a day, but you can also just be. That's the nice way of explaining dance. I think you can, there are so many possibilities. It's endless. You can walk and that could be dance. You can hear the cars driving by. You can choose that to be your dance music. You can breathe and that is your dance. Um, yeah, you can interpret it in so many ways. It's crazy. How do you think that it connects you? How do you think that it connects your body and mind as one? Because I, I've found that without having some kind of exercise or being physically conscious, it's a little bit more difficult to feel whole in a sense. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but the more yeah, that, that I- Yeah, that makes sense. The more that I exercise and stretch and understand the boundaries of my body, the better I feel psychologically. And I feel that dance could be an extreme of that because you have to be far more flexible than I am and understand your range of motions a lot more. Mm, I don't think that's particularly necessary. That's only if you want to like keep researching for it. It's like you can start as a beginner. You don't have to be flexible. Like I'm a dancer and I'm like, not flexible at all but i keep stretching like i will get there but uh, it's not per se a ne necessary thing to have i think it's a good question you have like how to connect with your physicality and your mind that's something i struggle with as well um, i try to um, be aware of my space so when i'm dancing then i'm like oh i see a laptop oh, the wall is white. So like I literally train my eyes to see where I am. And it sounds really stupid in your head, but it actually really works because then instead of being in your head, you're actually in the moment because you're literally seeing, oh, I have a box in front of me. Oh, um, 
so that really helps me to connect with my uh, body so if I'm in my head and if I want to uh, do it the other way around I guess um, allowing yourself to feel so if you're just dancing and you feel like um, oh I have a uh, shoulder injury or something so just be aware that it's there but you don't have to do anything about it but you can still just notice it so okay this is what happens oh and if you're for example if you're listening and you're a dancer and you did um you wanted to do a triple turn but you fell out of it then just okay i fell out of it it was because of my balance was lacking next time i will try better it's really it's difficult but it will help to train your mind to be more aware of your um of yourself and yeah this collaboration i was talking about i am actually starting a project on um on this building a solo based on how to connect myself this my mind and my body so yeah i think um you can also be creative and see what works and what not i think trial and error is the best best way to do it <laughs> have you ever been injured while being a dancer yes well injured is maybe like a too big of a word for it but i have like a calf injury it's called well actually it's called shin splints mm -hmm. and you can also get it from running or hiking or anything yeah. you just feel your shins well actually your calves the muscles are attached to your shins that's why they call it like that um while jumping walking whatever so um yeah i i wasn't able this year to jump a lot so like a lot of classes i I just had to do really like listen to my body and decide for myself if I was going to continue or not. And that's kind of hard because like these teachers are there to teach you and they're, they're not really happy if you have an injury, obviously. Mm -hmm. So um, it was quite challenging to myself to say, okay, when do I say stop? And I think just being honest with yourself which is a long process will finally like be the best way for me because my body is my instrument. My, if I want to pursue this as a job, like I need my body as an aspect to even do this. So yeah, I think that was challenging, but it did help just to being true to myself how was that for you? Because I know you have an injury and are at home right now. I had to pivot. I had to find something else. So for me, it was, uh, I dove into my mind a lot more because I used to be very body oriented. So I'd work out a few times a day and I was always very in touch with my body. And then having an injury in the way that I did, it feels a little bit like your body gives up on you, which is very strange of, it's a, it's a very strange feeling. It's a very strange emotion. I had never had my body give up on me before. I never felt that feeling towards my body. I, I'm, I'm kind of taking it from a external perspective of looking at me as a body and not a whole, but it was, yeah, especially in the movements that I was doing, it was just 
backpedaling and then you can't walk for three months. So, so in, in that sense, it was, it was interesting because I basically had nothing else to do, but to dive into my mind. So I ended up just laid out on a couch and having to elevate my foot for, I think about a month. And I, I don't think I left my apartment for a month when I was in Denmark where it's dark, very dark. So I would get up in the mornings and read and go over to a window and just sit there looking outside for a little while each day. But I, yeah, I had to find something else. I had to pivot. So in that sense, it was nice that I learned to read and learned to be a more critical thinker about things. and generally just think about things I think I always have but those experiences definitely they they catalyzed my psychological development quite a bit which I was very thankful for I I think that's something that all at least athletes should understand at some point is to start identifying yourself as not necessarily something immutable but something about yourself that isn't temporary or transient so for me, I always identified myself as a volleyball player or a student athlete. And I had thankfully done some work the previous year on finding a way to identify myself outside of athletics. And so being able to do that going into my injury was unbelievably important because that helped me to find grounding. And I wasn't, uh, you could say, the anchor was completely cut off of my boat in the middle of the ship. I, I had a little bit of bearing. I can imagine that, that, like you're saying it really nicely now that you're happy that you found this experience, but I can imagine that obviously in the beginning or even the whole period, it's like a huge transition because your life is a certain way and then the light switches and it's totally different. So mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that you um, took this challenge as like, okay, I'm going to re try to redefine myself or even maybe you are already defined as a person but you just have to get to know the other parts of yourself a little bit more i actually had a conversation about this um with some of my dance teachers of like you you are not a dancer you are lara and you and you dance and that is a different story and sometimes people like strangers would ask me what i am and then i would just say what i'm a dancer and she said well what are your hobbies i was like well i dance and that's yeah i listen to music because i dance and i i work as a dance teacher and i study dance and then i was like whoa okay i have some work to do um so yeah, I think it's really good what you say as an athlete to see like what else is there for you as a person and even people that are not athletes, like your job doesn't have to define you. Like for example, if you work in sales, you're not just a salesman just that wants to get uh, more money uh, and and then have the like 10% of your week left over to actually do your passion, see? you can balance it out especially in these times you don't want to get sucked up in into a certain thing but also try to be always be curious and always want like being able to learn about things and having conversations I noticed that I was even nervous calling you because I haven't really been socializing a lot and I feel like these things help me to 
push myself out of my comfort zone to see like hey just get out there and sometimes it it would be great if we could just sit there and then it comes to you but obviously that's not life so like what you say that reading a book and trying to get to know yourself is i think that's a great way of of um developing your your inner your inner self your i don't know how you call it in english um who you are as a person which is uh i see it as knowledge is power so as long as you try to get to know yourself better and um, are willing to invest time in yourself i think that can make your life so much better um that's what i've been noticing like dance lets to get me to like is able to to develop things in my body that i would have not ex experienced if i didn't I didn't pursue it so I'm getting to know myself all the good and the bad parts and it's a total roller coaster but it's worth it and if, if you encourage yourself to invest the time and try different like different methods so like meditating what you said reading books listening to podcasts I don't know go swimming in a cold lake every every two days of the week and building your immune system like if that works for you do it how do you think you would define yourself outside of dancing now oh. <laughs> um i would define myself whew, that's a hard question hmm. i think i'm a bit of an activist not an like an extremist but an activist so like i i have certain opinions about certain things and oh i can't connect it to dance well i do use those things i like to make uh statements when i dance but besides dance i also <laughs> like to have conversations with people about i don't know psychology how i just really like to get to know people and their lives i'm always very curious about those things i also love traveling just discovering new things i i would say curiosity is a big part of my life and as well hmm, i like painting as well i like to do that sometimes it's nice i always call it abstract so i never to explain what it really is <laughs> just to get out of my mind and do that mm. um but yeah it's a good question i i still am getting to know myself what else i have with <laughs> besides dancing um yeah i think it's also because i'm not um quite busy because i'm lucky that i'm able to go to school i i tend to not have a lot of time to do other things but i'm trying to meet more people and i love like doing arts and crafts and all that stuff and doing that with people or just going for a walk and a talk i like that i like baking but i don't know if those things define me or if that's just something i'm interested in right now mm -hmm. so i think yeah i don't know it's hard <laughs> do you think that traveling has influenced your dance seeing different cultures and the way that they move mm not as much as i would have liked to be honest but that was because i wasn't really in an area where i was able to see a lot of dance unfortunately um 
like obviously i i went to dance parties but that was more of like a going out scene and like a traditional uh type of dance i did see some traditional dance which is really cool um but i do think that if i'm traveling in the future that i will specifically go to places where i'm able to see those dances um because i think it would really inspire me and um I did go to a previous trip when I was like 16 or something. So that was quite a while ago. And I went to French, uh, like a French group and they did traditional dancing and they let me join. And that was honestly like one of the best experience I've had in France. Um, so that did inspire me that dance can be so welcoming and you can be part of a group and apparently a lot of people love to be part of a group and um and dance i don't think a lot of dancing experience have negative meanings behind it so it's always like nine out of ten is a it's a positive experience to have so that inspires me to to it remembers no it reminds me <laughs> why i dance um then then i'm like whoa oh yeah this is this is why i'm doing it i'm not doing it to get into f in a university i'm doing it because it makes me feel good so in that way it does inspire me that's an interesting point that you make that dance isn't inherently it's more inherently positive than negative you don't yeah. you don't dance in a way to like you're not you're not dissing someone with a dance unless you're in step up two or something and having dance battles but even then it's a lot of fun yeah because that is a, that's, that's more of like a culture i would say and within the groups obviously there is no like hatefulness or or negativeness obviously like um sometimes you can can get caught up in it so for example i'm training a little group of of seven-year-olds and I, they're going to do a movie, like a, like a dance movie. They're like three minute part of it. And obviously I want it to look really good, but I can never make it look perfect. So then I have to get out of my head and like, okay, they are doing this for fun. They're not here to let me hear, like get like an angry teacher in front of them. Like, oh, you're doing it wrong. And that is the 10% of dance, which is in a professional world, I would say it's probably like, it used to probably be like 80, 20, but now it's maybe like 60, 40, that 60% is negative experience. It's because dancers are mostly perfectionist. So they have something in their head and then they want to translate it to other people. But that's hard because everybody has a different body and a different language and a different way of 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 like anatomy even mm -hmm. so um i would say for like the amateur field of dancing it's always a good experience but there's also unfortunately there's also a bad side to it but um as long as you t stay true to yourself then you can choose to be in that environment or not. And obviously, like, if you're a professional, you want to make money, you don't always have the choice. And you don't always know what you run into, but they are life experiences and you can always, you always have a choice. And that is really great about 
dancing, I think, or just being true to yourself in general. It can also be in any other sports or just life decisions. How do you teach as a dance instructor? What's your, what's your method? Are you a yeller? <laughs> um, I'm a yeller, but like, like a motivate motivational yeller like come on let's go and yeah um i'm all about the positive vibes um sometimes it's hard when the kids are tired and they just get distracted every five seconds <laughs> mm -hmm. so then it's like come on guys i then i have to uh, for little kids i have to sense uh, set some ground rules um because if i don't then they just walk all over me which is not great like kids need structure so i i give them structure then i give them positive vibes and then on top of that we do like a fun game so they can go home and just have fun um, but currently we have to teach outside which is nice but for little kids it's really it's a lot of things happening around them so it's harder for them to be in the moment without getting distracted um for the older people that i teach or well they're so young they're 15 year olds um i do i also use positive vibes i just i think um if you give them positive encouragements they will dance better that's like my vision that i noticed that when i was younger when i had certain teachers um they would always if they give me positive vibes i i was excited get adrenaline and even try harder and obviously like if you're working towards a presentation or you have to like also be <laughs> the bad cop and say no no we have to do it again 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 but eventually if the end result stands and they can be proud of themselves that it's like well this is going to be the first time I'm going to like, I'm, this is the first year I'm a teacher. So um, I've, I look forward to the moment when they see themselves back and, and they can be proud of themselves and that they could get into the summer with a good feeling and hopefully want to pursue dance and still keep on moving and having fun. I think um, that's what makes dance fun. What's it been like learning during COVID, have you have you been keeping up with dance? You mentioned Zoom calls before we started recording, but have you been able to get in and do a rehearsal with people? Or I'm not sure what the protocol is over there. Um, well, I'm currently in the Netherlands, and it's um, last year we had Zoom classes like my on my education. We had it online. And that was really difficult because um, we had internships and then you had to be on Zoom three hours every day, um, dancing in front of a camera. And then you, you, can't re you really notice how a group can affect your dancing. So as on, from a student perspective, I couldn't really follow the teacher because it wasn't mirrored. So you had to like, uh, what, what everything was left was right and right was left and then you just mm -hmm. get really confused mm -hmm. then you have wi-fi connection these are all these other things you have to be like aware from i was happy that we still were doing something because then if i had nothing then i don't know how i would have felt um, during that time so i was grateful for that but luckily after the summer we were able to come back 
and we had live classes. I had five to six days live every every week. Um, but for the amateur field, it was unfortunately still online. So then I, I became a teacher and I first had live classes, but after Christmas, it was online again. So that was my journey as a teacher. And it wasn't great. I have respect for all teachers. Um, it's because you, you don't get any energy and or people choose to, to have the camera off for, for because they don't feel like it or for privacy reasons. And you can't feel like the senses you normally use what I talked about. You can't, uh, you can't use them because you can't see how they're feeling, uh, if they're getting it, if they're having fun, if they're doing something else while you're teaching. But also you felt like the frustration of these kids having online classes and not wanting to do another online class, which I can totally understand. So I had some diehards that came every week and I even gave them like private lessons because other people wouldn't show up. But I was like, well, she's here, let's do this. Mm -hmm. So that was really great. Like you can really see the people that, that, that take out the good um, the good things out of dance but it was also really hard because you know you know the potential of these kids and they they just get sucked up into their online lives and it's not great for them I I totally understand but it was very challenging and now I have I still have live classes I'm starting some dance projects um, which I have to be creatively about, like maybe outside or something, I don't know, because there's only a maximum amount of people you can have in a certain space and it's just really difficult. <laughs> but, you know, we're making it work and uh, yeah, I, I teach outside and that is okay, as long as it's, it's not snowing or raining, which we had in April, which was very strange. <laughs> um yeah then it's fine i just have to you, you have to keep shifting and which is very good in a way so, as i said like it's nice to stay curious to stay focused not getting in your in the same system you're always in but at the same time you have to think about 300 other things you haven't thought about and it's your first time as a teacher and like oh now it's on zoom now it's outside I have to do, I have to mirror everything. So I stand in front of the kids, but if I have to explain it the other way, then I have to teach myself both ways. It just gets confusing. And then um, improvisation can really help because you can just give a task and everybody can just feel in the moment and you don't, you don't need a mirror. You don't need anything. You just, you can just be. And I do miss that sometimes that, um, if you're working towards an end presentation, you can't really do that. You can, but it's, you know, you still want to present something. Um, but sometimes I feel like it's, it's nice to just be with, with my students or with my classmates or anything. Um, but yeah, my, at my school, we do that because we're all dancers. So we just put music on and we vibe before our rehearsals start. So that's really nice. But with the amateur field, that's a little bit more difficult right now. So, mm -hmm. you know, just working through it. <laughs> Something interesting that you said about the kids is the energy that they give off. And 
children just ooze energy, whether it's positive or negative. You can really feel the air leave a classroom when yeah. things get negative and you can really feel uh, it's, just, it's just a shot of adrenaline when kids are happy and doing really well. So it would be very interesting to learn how to uh, manage that as a dance instructor. Yeah, I think, um, I think kids are really amazing. They, if I feel sad and I come there and they're so happy to see me, I'm like, why are you so happy to see me? Then it's, it's just like, um, because they're just so innocent and they just come and have fun and, um, it really makes you happy. I, I noticed that myself. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do these kids because they're going to fly everywhere and I'm not going to be able to do it. But then I came there and I set the ground rules and they're so talented and they did want to learn everything. Like sometimes I wish I still was a kid and just wanted like, you know, that energy, what you said they give is so valuable. And I think um, a lot of people get sucked into their lives and maybe it's nice to sometimes just be a kid and just be like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to, I'm just going to dance in the park and it doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm hearing a guitar playing in the city center and I'm just going to dance. I'm not going to walk by with my mask and my hood on and bother, not bothering to even look. No, like I think those things if we 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 create that more around ourselves you get you get that positive energy what kids give and because other people will be like oh i want to join that's so nice um and that energy can really make your day i think it makes my day even though i'm exhausted after teaching <laughs> but then i'm i have an, a feeling and i'm like oh i'm grateful that i'm able to do this and that I can give these kids some guidelines besides school, mm -hmm. just dancing wise. Yeah, I recently read a book called In Our Time by Ernest Hemingway. And I, th I think that the overarching theme of the book, it was a series of, it was a collection of short stories. And so I think the main theme was losing childhood to some extent or losing innocence and an unspoken part was the in the individual circumstances in which each of the characters lose their innocence. So something happens to them and they realize that the world might be a little bit different than they thought it were before that instance happened. And I think the kids have a, that's, that's kind of the goal of lots of learning is to regain that childhood innocence and be able to act as a child, even though you're not. So understanding the hardships of the world and still being able to Put yourself out there and have those very momentary experiences of just being yourself rather than conforming to what your idea of the world is do you miss that or do you feel like you still have that in you that that little kid that just wants to do more than dancing in a garage or sitting around and just i feel like i've relearned that over time it's taken a lot of effort because I think that it takes effort initially to reinitiate that because when something happens and you get set back a certain extent you you have to slowly work your way back to where you were but a way that I try to deal with that is a form of optimistic nihilism where I have a I'm, I'm very attentive to the finality of life and I 
understand that we're not going to be here for forever. And I think about dying quite often. So I use that to motivate myself into doing the things that I think will improve my quality of life, both momentarily and in the long run. So I try to step outside of my comfort zone quite often. And anytime that I have difficulty with that, I always say to myself, well, we, we could always die tomorrow. So let's give it a whirl today. Do you feel like you're afraid of dying or just you're just very aware of it? No, I, I don't. I mean, I don't I don't want to die just yet, but I I'm very, very aware of it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think about dying more in a practical sense of anytime I see a, a truck drive by me a little bit too close. I think, well, if he was on his phone for a second longer, I would have been a smear on the concrete. And I think that that comes from my injuries that I had because they were so atypical for someone my age and of my, like I was working out a ton and walking a lot, doing lots of running and I was rock climbing and I was staying very active. And so the nature of my injuries were a little bit atypical, like I said. And so that kind of led me into thinking about death quite a bit more as something that just happens Sorry, my dogs just got let out. Um, but it's, it's more or less something that just happens and you, you don't have control over it sometimes. And the, sometimes you read about people in the paper that die from a car accident or they fall into a lake and they, they go into shock. And it's not that those people expected to die that day. It, things yeah. happened in a way that resulted in their death. So I, I try to keep that in mind quite often and that every moment that we have is a is really a blessing. It's really something quite amazing. And so to take advantage of each moment and try to regain that childhood innocence of not like acting like nothing matters, really. You're acting in a way that you don't really understand death yet. You don't understand the, the finality of life. And yeah. So but do you feel like, that. do you feel like, um, it sets you back being so aware of it or that it helps you to be more grateful? No, I think that it, I think that it enhances it quite a bit. Cause like I said, if I'm, if I'm on the, the top of a rock jump, that's four stories high, I look down and think I could either go, well, this is really scary. I'm not going to do it. Or I could think, well, I'm, I'm going to die anyways. So might as well jump into the water. And, okay. and, well, that's and that, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, I don't think that it's something that, like I said, I, I optically, optimistically nihilistic in the sense that I am understand the finality. And so I take that in an optimistic manner where I think, well, it's going to be over one day anyway, so I might as well make this the best ride that it can be. Okay. That's, about, that's an interesting way to look at it. I do, I don't know, in my personal opinion i don't think death is final i'm not saying that i'm going to heaven or something but i do feel like people that passed away are still like around me um i'm not scared of death i'm not well i'm saying that now but at the moment i'm not scared of death um obviously i do have fears about things and um but i do try to make the best out of it um Sometimes it's hard, especially when you feel like the world is spinning in slow motion and um, you just have to make the best out of it. But I do, 
I don't think I'm I when I I'm as aware as you are. Um, sometimes I am, but um, sometimes it is nice to be aware because then you don't get lost in your in in your routine and in your train of thought and be aware like hey okay I could do I could really do something right now like come mm -hmm. on you know it's a beautiful day the sun is shining let's go don't get in um, I can stay in bed for so long and then I'm like oh I should have got up early and do something with my day so I do think that so, like that side of awareness is really nice to have as long as it doesn't go like shifts the other way like you shift mm -hmm. it into a positive way but sometimes it could also be overwhelming and um well you know i think you know what i mean well like it's very uh, existential sometimes yeah yeah so i do think that as long as you um, what I try to do is always think for myself. So something is happening in the world. I, I don't, I don't want to just assume it, that it, that is it, what it like, what they're, what's on the news or what's happening around you. I always try to think for myself, like, okay, just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean I have to do it because it wouldn't make me happy. And sometimes people call me stubborn, but other times I'm just happy that, I am thinking for myself and just trying to do me instead of being a sheep and following everyone else. And sometimes that is scary. I mean, like following the crowd is easier than setting your own path. But I do think um, in the long run, it, it helps you to develop your like true self and what you want to do in your life. And then you, I feel like you're able to fulfill your days more if you're more aware of what you like and what you want to be and what you want to do. And yeah, I think that's really great of just being aware and staying curious, I guess. <laughs> How do you address that feeling? That's something that I'm interested in with people that do tend to go against the grain a little bit more is how do you address that feeling of knowing that you're a little bit different and you're, you're, othering yourself in some sense in that you don't go with people so people do call you out a little bit sometimes and say well you're you're stubborn well this well that just come along with us and you turn the other way it seems yeah it is quite hard sometimes especially in these times because a lot of things are changing and in my surroundings i am a bit of the outcast i would say um i try to connect with people that kind of have the same mindset and same uh, vibe around them but it's hard because you don't meet a lot of people so you kind of actively search for them um, but yeah I'm starting a dance project with people that kind of have the same opinion so I don't know like I don't really know these people but I thought you know why not let's just do it um, I think that helps me to to keep true to myself other times I'm tired and I don't want to go against everything every single day. So sometimes I choose to just be invisible and just go in the swarm of people that don't really agree with. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like, it depends on my mental state. 
of that day if i feel like i have enough energy to to um back myself up if people have comments about it then i do it and sometimes i i just want to be and not not having to think about these things and that is like um a struggle in myself that i have that how can i just be without people just bothering me every five seconds even though they don't really do that but they do in a way <laughs> because you're just aware of it um but it does help me that um at least with some people i can talk about it but it also puts perspective into um sometimes negative perspective like oh these I thought you were my friends or oh I thought we were the same but I guess we are not um so I'm just trying to be aware of the fact that I am in a transitioning period where I I have certain opinions and certain views on life and that people I used to hang out with are not or my family is not um some of them are but um yeah, that is comf that is weird, but I am happy that at least I am choosing to have an opinion and not just for the sake of it follow, um, which is not easy. I I I don't shame anyone for doing that because I I am I understand how hard it is to to choose something that other people are not choosing. Like the path is already made for you. You might as well go there, but. Um, yeah, I'd rather dig my own path and see where I end. And sometimes it will cross the people, the path that's already made. And sometimes it's just a total different way of living and thinking. And um, what I think now could be different in a month or in a year, as long as I am true to myself, then this is what I think at this moment, maybe maybe over a year i'm like oh okay i'm i'm ready to jump back in on the path that everybody is taking i don't know i just like to not be um stuck onto something like i don't what is happening in the world right now is is not great and it's um it scares me so i am very aware of i'm trying to be aware of what is happening and not, i look a little bit further than what i see just right away what's presented to me is is that it or what is there more i just try to be very uh aware of that and sometimes right. i just i choose to not to not uh, engage with it for a while because it's really time consuming consuming but i am aware that that i have a choice and i don't have to i don't have to follow the crowd i i can choose to do that Right. Well, it's very tough to go against the crowd as well. Emotionally, I find it very difficult to go outside of mainstream attitudes because a lot of the time you end up having to support your view rather than having a conversation. It's, especially now, I find it's, it's not, yeah. it's less of a conversation and more of an interrogation. Yes, really. Oh, Sometimes it's just exhausting and I'm like, I just want to be like, stop stop bugging me for trying to change my opinion it's like i i i do um i do think about it like um as long as i can have a 
conversation with someone like I don't have to agree on anything or disagree like for me I don't want it to be a battle all the time I, I have certain conversations with people and we totally disagree on everything but then we can just have a conversation about it and that's fine but mm -hmm. what you say a lot of people just go straight in defense mode and <laughs> then I'm like I don't even want to talk about this anymore defensively and also for the throat simultaneously there it's a defensive attack but I, I i think you're right I, I think the best conversations that i've had with people are those that i disagree with to a certain extent but we agree that we can learn from each other i find that those are the, the those are number one a lot of fun and number two very very thought-provoking after the fact because the the feelings that i harbor during a conversation might not live long past the conversation if i've been persuaded by something and i i really like facts so maybe maybe uh maybe we could not call them objective facts but things that seem that seem to trend and like i like looking at the u.s census data and different statistics and seeing what the story behind things are and normally that's done a little bit better by people that are more qualified than i am but i like to follow things to a logical conclusion rather than believing what I'm told or what what people think in the mainstream yeah well I am not I have to be I'm not really a, a statistic kind of person I do um, that's why I find hard when I have a certain opinion that I can't really um, like fact check it and mm -hmm. that's we had a talk about talking about european uh, politics and i'm like well i'm not the right person for that because i do have an opinion and i know that that in my way in my point of view it's right but it's hard to verbalize um but i do there are great people on this on this play on the world actually that are making videos or podcasts or articles to just make it a little bit easier to try to understand what's happening in the world and that's really helping me so if I have a conversation with someone and they want to know my point of view I I can reach out to sources that can explain it better than I can and then I can still get my point across but without um, looking like a fool and not being to able getting ooh, not being able to get out of my words which I have now and also like what we what you said about conversations and that sometimes the best conversations are with people that have different point of views but are still open to learn i think within dance um there are exercises you can do you can just improvise with someone else and like take turns and you can react to the other person so you're basically having a conversation without talking mm. and sometimes that can be really nice for example, if I have to dance with someone that's really closed off and their body language is all in, you can mirror them and let them be aware of, hey, this is how you come across to me. And then you start a conversation without getting into defense mode. Well, you can, but then it's more physical. And sometimes that's also nice because then you can sense each other's feelings instead of... Um, having like a really tough conversation and um yeah sometimes what people say is not even what they feel and sometimes what people think is uh the end they maybe want the same thing but they just come from different point of views mm -hmm. so sometimes with dancing you can find out that 
you actually want the same thing. You're just coming from a different perspective. And that can be really nice to, um, to research for yourself and also just be in your body instead of um, having exhausting conversations <laughs> with people that you know that's not going to work out. Um, yeah, but that is really nice, I think. So I, I was thinking about this earlier and I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up, but now I do. And the idea of energy kind of a, in a, in a yogic way of someone having warm energy or cool energy. And then that, I think that that's more associated to how people present themselves posturally. And I, I find that, I think that if you were to, to do an experiment and take people, take photos of people in good, tall, high posture, people would tend to believe that they had a, a warmer energy more often. I think it's a, it's a weird synesthetic thing that we do where we overlap sensory experience with emotional experience. And so I wanted to know what your opinion on that was as a dancer and someone who's a little bit more uh, physiologically empathic where you can see people's energies from a, a physiological perspective as well as from an emotional perspective. But being able to see someone in an open posture with a big smile and think, well, that person's warm. And then people that tend to be cooler are a little bit more hungered in and their shoulders are forward rather than back. And yeah. So I, I want to know what you think about that. But is your question if I agree on that or how I cope with that? What your thoughts know. are. Okay. Open question. So yeah. um, I would say, um if you compare postures that being what you say like the posture in and out and cold energy or cold yeah energy yeah. you call it um i wouldn't say that it doesn't mean that people are uh, not open um because sometimes being open is also um like letting your emotion be people mm -hmm. with an up posture and a big smile are a lot of those people are actually depressed so then the question is is that an open posture so i would say an open posture would is great if you're positive and you can be i think it's more about um how like on a scale of one to ten you're eight you're allowing someone to get in so if you um put up a front it's really hard to dance with that person mm -hmm. because you cannot connect with the other person because there's something blocking you can feel that by the energy um so let's say this person has a down posture and is sad for example uh, or insecure but they are allowing the other person to help that you can take more out of that than someone that would fake it basically, mm. or just hold a, maybe not even fake it by choice, but just because they don't know any other way how to express because feelings are, are taboo. Like you just have to be a person that can function. You have to be a robot to function every day and then dance asks, ask you to do the exact opposite. It asks you to be in the moment and feel how you feel. And that is challenging. 
that is really challenging. Um, for example, we have to do, sometimes I have to do trust exercises with people. You have to close your eyes and they have to catch you or um, they have to do contact improvisation, uh, which is two people improvising but touching their body. So you, you give your weight or the other person gives weight and you really have to feel each other literally but also uh, mentally because mm -hmm. you can choose to give your whole weight or you can choose to not to do that. And if you choose not to do that or unconsciously, this person can feel that and is aware that you're not giving your all. I struggle with that personally. I find it, I'm then afraid that I will be too heavy, but sometimes it can even be more heavy, heavy to, um, to not give all. And then you're struggling to even connect. So I would say, referring back to your question that, uh, yeah, an open posture is a really wide perspective on, on how you present yourself. And obviously like in the non-dance world, I guess, um, someone that is totally like inwards is less approachable. But sometimes someone with a really open perspective, but almost like the extreme version of it is also not approachable because they're so like, it could be intimidating sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like if you feel sad and you see a happy, an extremely happy person, you're like, how does this person even do that? And, you know, um, so I don't know. I think that is my thought. I can't really like get into a conclusion about it, but I do see it more like a, as a way bigger thing than just like black and white or red and blue. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You make a very interesting point about that. Um, with the, the, that method that you use in dance where you're giving your energy back and forth to someone. Do you think that you use that outside of dance in your interpersonal relationships? Mm. I would say I would be more of a closed person than an open person. I wouldn't literally give my weight or my energy to someone. I'm pretty close to myself. Um, but I do tend to do that more when I trust a person more. And I feel I've lost a lot of friendships. So I am just a little bit more cautious. And People that meet me, they think I'm really open-minded, but actually I, I, I am quite a close-off person. I'm just good with words. <laughs> so the people that dig a little bit further, they, they can see that there, there's more than meets the eye. And then we, if I feel like this person, but yeah, it's actually an interesting point you make. Like if this person is giving me more energy, more weight, then I can feel like I can give more weight. Mm -hmm. You make a really interesting point. Yeah, I have this with some friendships that I'm like, I want to give you my all, but you're not giving me my all. And mm -hmm. I don't know why. So I choose to hold back. And I do think that that is a physical exercise you can reflect on to your life, how you use that. I think that is really something to think about of, when do I give my weight and when do I choose not to and why? And 
is it is it me or is it this person is it the energy or is it you know this is mm -hmm. really interesting to think about are you more of a would you say you're more of a open person or more closed close off to yourself if someone will catch me i'll fall on them okay like if if uh if someone opens up to me i'll i'll open up 100 i i try to be as vulnerable as i can with people and a lot of the times it takes it takes a person to start that and so that's something that i've gotten good at over my life is being the person to initiate vulnerability and allow and then kind of cultivate uh, an environment a relationship where we can be vulnerable with each other i don't ever make fun of my friends outside of uh, a friendly jest if someone has ideas that i find different than mine i'm far more fascinated than i am disgusted by them so i think that that cultivates a really open relationship but i do have friends that i've been very open with in the past and then things happen and they, then they close off a lot and that forces me to close off a lot and it's really a there, there can be lots of positive and negative feedback loops in friendships. So if someone gives you more weight, then you give them more weight and you can go back and forth and you're, and it's, it's so much fun. I, I have a friend that I talk to quite often and him and I have just a ton of fun because we give each other weight consistently and it's ways that we can explore the outskirts of our own mind. I tell him things that I've been thinking lately that maybe I'm not able to, to say in public yet, whether that's because I don't have the skill to say it yet and I'm just trying to figure it out or whether it's something that's maybe bothering me a little bit about the way that I think. And so he's someone that I can go to consistently and I can always give him my weight and then he gives it right back. And so we have this awesome relationship of being able to go back and forth with one another. And then I also have friends that I, I can't do that with at all because I know that if I, I know that they'll, they won't give me their weight and so i feel very uncomfortable giving them my weight because there's a there's a break in the reciprocity of it we we don't give back and forth to each other and when there's a when the when there's an asymmetrical emotional direction it's really tough to go back so if you give a lot to someone and they don't give a lot to you then it's tough to continue to be vulnerable to that person knowing that you're giving more than you're receiving yeah and I think that um, that's also, I think, why we connected. We we met in uh, like two years ago, I think. And mm -hmm. we just we just had a vibe and we just talked and talked and talked. Oh, and we had talked. like a four-hour conversation in our yeah hostel. Yeah. And I, that's really rare, rare for me because um, I hate small talk. <laughs> and uh, But I'm good at it. So I'm able to, to, to make friends, but it's, it's so much more fun if you can just, just be, just talk. And um, that's why I miss meeting people because mm -hmm. I want to connect more and I want to be able to give my weight and receive it. Um, but it's hard if you live in this little bubble where everybody has a certain way of thinking and you all, it's weird because we kind of already choose or experience that, oh, okay, we can't give this person weight because this person thinks this and that and that, or 
we give so much and we don't receive so much back and then we already make choices in our head or like these are the selected people we're gonna um, be close to and others we are not and it would be so nice to connect with more people that you can surround yourself with more people that you can rely on and that is a challenging thing and i think if you struggle with doing that verbally then dancing could be a really nice way to figure that out um, also because if you like dancing you already have something in common uh, and <laughs> for example i would really love to do partner dancing uh, because i'm really bad at it because i have trouble taking giving the control away and i really want to learn that on just to rely on someone and because with partner dancing, uh, most of the time, the male partner has uh, the lead mm -hmm. and the woman has to follow. But I'm more, <laughs> I like to be more of a leader than a follower. So I think uh, within uh, physicality, you can challenge yourself to get to know yourself and see like, oh, okay, I can, I can give some control away. And even if I fall, I know I'm able to catch myself. You know, your body is built to instantly catch yourself if you fall. You don't, mm -hmm. like, even if you rely on someone, you can still catch yourself. And obviously there are car accidents and unfortunate um, occasions that happen that you can get injured. But I would say 70%, 80% out of the time, your body will do everything to, to get yourself together, um, which is nice to know sometimes because trusting people is hard but eventually if you find the right people and you can what you say you can talk about certain things and you're not ready to to address like outside of your safe bubble i would say then it's nice to just be able to even have another's perspective or even like being able to say what you think because then you're a little bit more out of your head and you can develop your thoughts and see like, okay, is this what I want? Is this, do I have to research this more? Is it nice to just tell people or learn from it and say, hmm, maybe this wasn't a great time. And I think that is really nice about communication in general. So the physical and the, the verbal ex uh, aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're consistently checking each other and making sure that the things that we say are okay and whether they're not okay. And that's something that I found very interesting in terms of psychological development about traveling is that you're meeting people that you're never going to see again in your life, aside from you, of course. But there, you're, you're, you're meeting people and you get to dive into conversations with them and be very vulnerable because there's an understanding that you're likely to never see this person again. And that was, I'm sure, more likely 10 years ago before social media, or I guess longer than that, before social media was so common hand that like, I can get in contact with you or any of the other people that I met that I, I really connected with. But there is this feeling of you're someone that I'm, we're, we're traveling different directions, but we've met in a town and we get to spend two days together in this town and travel around and hang out and have conversations. And in those conversations, you're you're very open and very vulnerable because it's deep down, you know, that it's someone that you're not going to 
be seeing every single day. So you only have that set amount of time to really get to know each other. And I found that I really got to know a lot of people in my travels. And unfortunately for them, they got to know a lot about me because I was so willing to be vulnerable because of the, the low stakes involved in my vulnerability. Like, well, if I tell you this thing about me and you don't like it, then whatever, I'll never see you again. But with friends that we have in the real world, it's, it's a lot tougher to be vulnerable because you know that they're a part of your life. And if they don't like the thing that you tell them, then that might, that might burn that bridge or it might damage that bridge to some extent. So you have to be a lot more conscious. And, and in that same way, I think that people, I think that's where that idea comes from of finding yourself while traveling is that you already have yourself. You already, to some extent, know who you are, but you, you have to find it. Like it's there, but you have to find it by going outside of your immediate bubble and outside of your immediate bubble, you're no longer part of the environment that brought you up. You're, you're just yourself in a different environment. So you're able to, to be a little bit more honest with who you are. And I think that's why people go traveling and come back completely different people is because they take themselves out of the box and move around and kind of understand themselves a little bit more. And they become the box rather than the box being the environment they were brought up in. So they, they can read themselves a little bit more and they understand themselves a little bit more. And I think that's such a cool relationship. And I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot more with traveling and, understanding how people develop so much in such a short span of time and i think a lot of it is honesty and vulnerability with yourself and others yeah i think it's really cool because um i do notice that you um i remember you being very vulnerable and i was too and that was just so great to just be but i do notice when i i did notice when i was traveling that um I did struggle because I got attached to people and then I traveled with them for like more than a week, which is really long in backpacking days <laughs> or even a month. And then, I don't know. I just, I was like, when I look back to it, I was like, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. But then at the same time, like it was nice to just have something back in sort of your your box that you knew someone that you don't have to get out every single time because sometimes it can be exhausting i find it sometimes that i was like oh i should have to give and give and give and and hopefully you receive something back that um i think because it was my first time traveling alone that i also was a little bit more not as like detached from the world maybe in a good way as 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 you as you were like i was still like oh, oh i need people to like me and sometimes i was like oh fuck it i'm just gonna do whatever i want i was like shifting back and forth um especially when i met you i was with a group of people and uh i i they were actually not really my type of people and but i still went with them because you knew them mm -hmm. and now i look back on it and i was like shit i should have gone with you you know you were more my person but then you were already caught up in this group and then it just happens and uh it does help those experiences like it i it helped me to get to know myself more i'm like okay i should have just done whatever i wanted not like what you say these people are you're probably never going to see them again so why get so attached to something that maybe like was nice for 
four days but then mm -hmm. after the fifth day you're like no i wanted to do something else and i do think that what you say i agree it speeds up the pro it speeds up the process of getting to know yourself and literally finding yourself and um i hope we can go travel soon because like i i also need it kind of I'm like, I'm ready to get out of my bubble and my comfort zone to um, to experience more things. But it's also kind of sad in a way that, that, that I feel like I need that because then I feel like I could also challenge myself here to do things. But then it works different for some reason. I think that's very interesting about the aspect of traveling that that being away, away, away is actually maybe getting you closer to yourself. And then when you're back, then you're maybe more away from yourself. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, we have such a massive relationship with our environment. And it's, I think it's a lot more important than people think in terms of not the importance of the environment, but the importance of being us within an environment so our environment dictates who we are a lot of the time sorry my dog's crying one sec that's all right oh yeah I've got to go feed him in a second here, but this is my little fella. Um, oh, yeah, cute. I think I think that uh, that our our environment really dictates who we are. Not not only the places that we're in, but the people that are in them and our routines. And so, I think getting out of environments are a really good way to reconnect with yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I'm also like I'm so grateful for the experience because. I mean, if we never have met, we would never have this podcast or I never had these connections. Like I still mm -hmm. have some contact with some people or I, I cherish the knowledge that they gave me and I use it in my daily life or, or not maybe every day, but you still experienced it. So you still know more about yourself and about others. And that's really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a part of you and it, it never leaves. <laughs> Uh, sorry no that's okay i uh i gotta feed these little guys do you want to end it here yeah that's fine okay i'll uh I'll, I'll put it on pause and then and then we'll have a little conversation after just uh yes that's nice with. thanks a lot okay. for coming on lara i really appreciate it you're welcome i really liked it i really enjoyed it all right bye guys bye